Today's reading is from Acts 5, starting at verse 17. Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go, stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people the full message of this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts, as they had been told, and began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers didn't find them there. So they went back and reported, We found the jail securely locked, with the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were puzzled, wondering what would come of this. Then someone came and said, Look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts, teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared the people would stone them. Having bought the apostles, they made them appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. You have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and saviour, that he might give repentance and forgiveness to the sins of Israel. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put him to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honoured by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed them, Men of Israel, carefully consider what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Thoidas appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed. All his followers were dispersed, and it came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed and all his followers scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone, let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not own you will not be able to stop these men. You will, find, you will only find yourselves fighting against God. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. They ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Gareth. Congratulations on the job. That's exciting. 
Um, hi, I'm Kira. It's lovely to be with you today. I'm part of All Saints Church. I've been for a number of years with my family. Normally have three girls running around, slightly haphazard running after them. And so we are opening a new series today talking about this new life. Um, and we're looking at the book, book of Acts for the next um, few weeks. And this chance to think about what is this new life. So when it comes to newness, um, I was wondering, have you ever tried to like create something new, even um, with some flavors? You might have seen this. It's apparently um, some new products were launched. Um, this is Gurkish Delight. This is a mixture of Gherkins and Turkish Delight. Um, who would give it a go? Would anyone taste it? Yes, well done. Okay, I think we have another one. Okay, I actually think my kids would like this. This is giant bread-shaped crisps from Walkers. So the slices are turning into crisps. You can have a crisp sandwich, fill it with crisps. Um, Great. And then another one. This is tomato-flavored toothpaste. So if you're a fan of tomatoes and you're a fan of toothpaste, these things are coming together to create something new. And um, those are all April Fools from certain companies. But what we're looking at today is not a joke. Um, But I hope you have got a sentiment of what we're saying. These different things that are coming together to create something new. That is jovial, but this is profound. And when we're looking at Acts, we are looking at the coming together. Something of different, different things coming together to create something new. And um, I've got a couple of questions, two questions for us really to think through as we um, look at this passage in Acts 5. So one is, will we see and respond to the spirit at work uh, in our world? And secondly, something about where is God inviting us to join in? Or maybe even closer, who is God asking us to create something new with? Um, If I'm honest, I found um, this a little tricky passage because I think there's something about Acts that can kind of almost feel a bit like imperial or a bit like kind of nebulous. It's like I want to catch it, but I'm not sure if I can. And um, the reality is it's not. It's actually incredibly practical and physical and speaks into the context of a time. But I think there's this um, aspect of it there is God on the move, is the spirit at work, is something that is being created that is new, there's a creativity about it. And so to pin it down can sometimes feel challenging. But one of the things that has really stood out to me is this kind of return even to relationship or this return to fellowship, this return to the invitation of God to be doing something with the Holy Spirit and with one another. Um, There's two books that have been really helpful if you're into this sort of thing. It's Tom Wright's commentary on Acts for Everyone. That one's mine. If anyone wants to borrow it, you're welcome. It's just for the first half of Acts. And then the second one is Willie James Jennings' book on Acts. This has been, this isn't mine, so I can't lend this one to you. Um, But if you like commentaries, it's fascinating read. I'll quote him quite a bit. It's been really really helpful for me to to read what he's saying to help me understand a bit of the political and cultural context of what's going on in Acts because as I understand that the things that maybe felt a bit kind of inferior feel actually quite tangible to understand the power of the dynamics that were being reordered and reconstrued and recreated in in Acts what we see. Um, Jennings says this a form, of intimacy, a form of intimacy 
at the heart of the gospel, so revolutionary, so world-altering, that we have always struggled to grasp this form of intimacy. And the book of Acts gives us a sign of this, a sign of the intimacy that God is at work in, the sign of the intimacy for church. It gives us this kind of dense vision of community together, this theologically rich understanding of what it means to be the body of Christ and to share in life. Um, For a little bit of a backdrop, um, if this is helpful, it helped me, is um, some of that wider context. And Jennings says this, in Acts, we find faith caught between the diaspora and the empire. Faith is always caught between those on the one side focused on survival and fixated on securing a future for their people, understandably, and on the other side, those intoxicated with power and possibilities of empire and of building a world ordered by its financial, social, and political logics that claim to be the best possible way to bring stability and lasting peace. The book of Acts is read poorly when we forget this double bind or forget the pain of Israel in its pages. Jennings goes on and says, the goal of the Roman Empire is to shape the world in its own image. That is always the desire of the empire. And what we have in Acts is we see the early church trying to reflect a different image. The early church looking at what it means to reflect the image of God. And um, if I'm really honest, I actually feel like I was challenged by this um, because I feel like I sometimes have to shake off some of that image of the empire that I'm pretty sure is in me, how I expect God to move or what I might expect God to look like. And there's bits in me that I know that I need to shake. Um, So there's there's a, a two things. So one is looking at What does this new life look like? And secondly, I want us to look at a character in here in particular that shows us an indicator of the old life. So firstly, what does this new life look like? And one really nice bit here is where we see the apostles persecuted. Nice. Um, They're in jail. Um, They have not um, stopped preaching about God. And so they have been put in jail. And it says this. They arrested the apostles and they put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, said the angel of the Lord, and tell the people the message of this new life. And one of the things that God is doing here is he's kind of, he's saying there isn't a law, an order or a control that will hamper me down. That I am the ultimate control. I am the ultimate order. I am the ultimate law. And this new life will break free. There will be freedom from that which has been hidden. And um, it made me think that there are things that actually we maybe carry inside us. There is this newness of message that God has for us that can feel hidden sometimes by systems, sometimes by the structures around us. And the, the, the angel of the Lord comes and says, I want to release what is new inside you. I want to release what is new inside you to for the community, for our church, for our relationships, for one another. And we get this sense of newness um, in, in Jesus. The book of Acts is written by Luke, and he wrote Luke and Acts, and they kind of are a double, a dual part. 
And what we see in Jesus is that Jesus was a refugee who speaks to the rich. Jesus was a rabbi who ate with sinners. Jesus was a Jewish man who prays a Samaritan. Jesus, the adult who said, let the children come. Jesus, the resurrected Christ who first appeared to a woman. Jesus, fully able, who associated himself with the hungry, the prisoner, and the sick. Jesus, the unjustly accused, but was the one with power to say, I forgive them or Father, forgive them. And we see that kind of same like boundary crossing idea of what Jesus's life was into the book of Acts. We see the gospel proclaimed in, um, in around Pentecost and the, the wind and the fire coming and the apostles speaking out in all sorts of tongues and languages that weren't them. So we see the gospel proclaimed in languages of the diaspora, the God who walks through locked doors because God is the ultimate authority the angel of the Lord who goes into the places of captivity to give freedom to what is withheld. Where there is enmity between the Jew and the Samaritan, there is now baptized and healing. There's so many stories in Acts. The Ethiopian eunuch, an encounter with those whose status wasn't enabling them to participate fully in worship are now included. When it is against the law to associate with someone, Peter is directed by God to a Roman centurion where the Holy, in, Holy Spirit interrupts Jesus, Peter's message as he's giving the message um, of the gospel and fills the entire household, this Gentile household, giving them what had been given to the apostles. And um, we see things like possessions and money are breaking their boundary-making power. Economic disparity is disenfranchised. The common becomes holy. The unclean is refined. The lines of who is out and who is in are radically redrawn by the patterns and practices of how and where the spirit moves. And um, it's this sense of the kind of cultural custodians of the pen, which had drawn the ordinary boundaries, is being shaken by a collaborative, common, collegiate, and eclectic mix of kind of interesting, peculiar, random people who are yielded disciples and are willing to go where the Spirit is taking them. N.T. Wright speaks of Acts and he says, God's kingdom is coming in and through the work of Jesus, not by taking people away from this world, but by transforming things within this world, bringing the sphere of earth into the presence and under the rule of heaven itself. Jennings says the book of Acts speaks of revolution. It depicts life in the disrupting presence of the spirit of God. The book of Acts is like the book of Genesis. It announces a new beginning, but without the language of beginning. It's putting in place a holy repetition that speaks of the willingness of God to invade our every day and our every moment. This God of Israel waits no more for the perfect time to be revealed. Now is the time, and here is the place. And I think we find ourselves in that place. Now is the time, and here is the place. Why not here in All All Saints Peckham? Why not here in this community? And why not now with the work of the Spirit doing something new among us? And I wanted us to look at this character that I think uh, shows us a little bit of what that old order is that the spirit is breaking from. So you would see in Acts uh, 5, if you've got your tablet or your phone or your Bible or your paper, 
Um, it's really from verse um, 34. So you can look at it with me because I think it's really interesting. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed them, men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Theodos appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, all his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and all of his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go, for, it is the for if their purpose or activity is of human origin, surely it will fail. But if it is from God, you will only find yourself fighting against God. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in. They didn't kill them. Instead, they had them flogged. And uh, the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for their name. Um, okay, so I was ready to really think Gamaliel is a great guy. Like, I was like, that's brilliant. Like, he is within the system and he has a dilemma. What is he going to do? Is he going to have the apostles killed? Uh, they were followers of Jesus. They had crucified Christ. They were not obeying the rules that the council and the Sanhedrin had given them. And they were being highly offensive to the Jewish religious council. They were saying that, that Christ's blood was on your hands. And they, these guys really wanted the apostles to not be there and to be quiet and wanted a way to silence them. And so at first reading, I was like, well, that's a really smart compromise there. Um, he, um, he sort of found almost a righteous path um, to save the lives of the apostles in a bit of a system that wants them dead. And um, if I'm honest, I was like, I could sympathize with that quite readily, quite easily. I could be like, I see what he's doing. I can imagine the power, the position, how to use your influence. And um, I, see, I see, can see his almost narrative he'd be saying to himself, like, if these people are following God, well, I have saved their life, so I'm kind of okay. And I felt like I had this whole talk um, looming about the, the importance of holy people within a system to bring about a righteous path. Um, and actually, there are, there are commentaries, like N.T. Wright speaks quite highly of him so, and says, actually, you never know where the protection might come from. It might come from quite unexpected places. And so there is something in that. But, but then I thought a bit more, and I read uh, Willie James Jennings a bit more, and it challenged me, um, because there was something else that was going on. And Gamaliel had failed to see the invitation from the apostles to follow Jesus to repent, to be forgiven, and really, ultimately, the invitation to join in this new life. And I think when you're part of the kind of good system, like I'm sure we all are, we are uh, in the work of trying to do what is right, what is good, and it made me question, do I expect God to show up in that kind of same guise that I am familiar with? to look like the good, righteous, and holy that I know? Or am I able to be surprised by God, to see God in something that looks unlike me? 
unlike what I understand as righteousness, faithfulness, what my heritage has affirmed, what my education has taught me? Will I see the new thing God is doing? And will I hear the invitation to join in? Or, like Melia, will I watch safely from a distance, having done just about enough to kind of still count as good? Gamaliel is working within the system and he's looking for an answer, potentially, from what exists within the system. But God is doing something new. Um, Jennings writes, Gamaliel reads history from the wrong side and politics from the wrong lines. He cannot see the day of divine visitation because it has come in an unimpressive flesh. It has come in the common So he did not hear the voice of God speaking through them to him saying, come, follow me. Yet Gamaliel shows us the way of the compromised intellectuals, even among the faithful, whose politics always end in observation from a safe distance. So they watch as the apostles are whipped and they wonder what will become of them. We are smart, clever, sentient um, followers of Jesus. And um, God is doing something new. And will we perceive it, as Jenny just said? Think about Isaiah 55. For your, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways heavier than your ways. And I think this was so like mind-blowing for them. In Ephesians, talking about the Jew and the Gentile, it says, For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups, Jew and Gentile, one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in flesh the law with its commands and regulation. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity of the two. Two things coming together that create something new. This isn't one group necessarily taking something to another group. This is something coming together that creates a new shape. And uh, I'm sure there is a bit of Gamaliel in me, maybe in many of us, And uh, we know that we don't want to be the person flogging the disciples. We also potentially don't want to be the disciples that are being flogged. We would quite happily be the person on the sideline doing the good thing. What my husband calls is generous, easy generosity. This sense of easy generosity. I think that my, um, I've got a younger sister and she thought I was really generous growing up because um, I used to give her all my old clothes. And then I had to go out and buy new ones. And uh, she thought I was a really generous person. Easy generosity. It is tempting to be the good guy on the sidelines, not really risking anything. And if it comes to it, even able to say, I saved the apostles' lives. But the challenge for me is, am I watching what God is doing Or am I stepping into the story and my life bearing witness to what he is doing? Am I watching what God is doing or am I willing to take that kind of risk, not alone, but together to go? Can we bear witness to the new work that God is doing? And really, ultimately, actually, what Gamaliel missed was the bigger invitation, was the invitation 
to follow? Was the invitation to be part of something that was being created new? And that is a wrestle and it is not easy because it means we have to get stuck in and there is risk and, um, and there is struggle. But ultimately, it is that invitation that God is giving us. And the question is, will we see and respond to the Spirit at work in the world? This coming together to create something new. Um, if the worship band would like to come up, I'm going to pray for us. Lord Jesus, the um, lines of who is out and who is in are radically redrawn by the patterns and practices of how your spirit moves. It is boundary pushing, prejudice breaking, a cultural reorientation of what this new life looks like. The Holy Spirit has come and a new joining has begun. As I was praying about um, this morning, I was really struck by that image of the angel going into the place of captivity to set free the message of something new. I wondered if there are people here that feel like they have got something new to bring, that maybe God has been stirring something that's, uh, that's for others. It's something that points to the witness of Christ. It's something that points to that rabbi that crosses all kinds of lines and breaks down all sorts of divides. It's, it's something new uh, for our community, for our church, for our relationships, for your friends, for your family. And the angel of the Lord comes into that hidden place and says, tell the people of this new life. think some of us are also being encouraged to follow that angel into that hidden place to follow that angel into that place um, of captivity and to help unlock that door for some people to bring out what's new as we look at this book of Acts as we uh, become hopeful and honest for me knowing sometimes the kind of system of safety or security or empire or what I expect something to look like I'm willing for that to be shaken and disrupted Catherine Booth was uh, the co-founder of the Salvation Army who 
broke down so many social taboos for those in prison, those in poverty, exploited women, vulnerable women, those that lived on the streets. And she said to better the future, we must disrupt the present. And so, Lord, if we need something to be disrupted in us, Lord Jesus, to make space for that new creation, may we know what that is. There's things of that old order that we're holding on to. Um, Lord, I just pray that together we'd have the courage to, to look at what you were doing and to be in line with the move of the Spirit. space water flows and um for like we're in a season that is creating space and you are invited to let your water flow Spirit, we're so thankful that you're doing a new thing. We ask for your your sovereignty here, your way here, that we may come together to create something that is unfamiliar in some ways. Something that is new and maybe surprising and maybe unlikely. but beautiful because it is with you and each other, even if that is hard. May you um, protect us and look after us.